We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. We have got an interesting one-off episode today. We're talking about Costner, recent sports movie, first ballot sports movie Hall of Famer, Kevin Costner. Uh, before we get into it, I have to shout out the supporters of the show and the Big Screen Sports Patreon group, especially our producer-level Big Chill patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, Chris Mykoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, and of course, Classic Stadium Fire, the sponsor to all our patrons' movie episodes. Folks, Father's Day is coming up, and a laser-cut wood stadium from Classic Stadium Fire of one of your old man's favorite ballparks, NFL stadiums, NBA arenas, whatever. It's a great gift. Link for that is in the show notes. Get 10% off with code BIGSCREEN. Anyways, big thanks to them, all our patrons, for supporting this show, which you can do over at patreon.com slash bigscreensports. If you go there, you can vote on movies for the show to cover. The patrons are going to have a big hand in what is coming on this show in July. Uh, more on that soon, but it's if you want to pick what this show is covering, now is a great time to get in. Join the Patreon, support the show. You get schedule updates, ad-free episodes, you get stickers, all the good stuff. Uh, so anyways, today we are talking to Temple Baker, who is in one of my favorite movies ever. He's in Everybody Wants Some, does a great job, him and the whole cast. But we're not talking about Everybody Wants Some today. We will have Temple on at some point to talk about that movie, do a deep dive. But uh, Temple had a take. We, me, and, me and Temple have been talking for a while. He had a take that we're going to discuss about Kevin Costner, the non-sports movie version of Kevin Costner. We both agree. Everyone agrees. Kevin Costner is a sports movie goat, first battle Hall of Famer, like I said. But Temple isn't the biggest fan of his, his non-sports movie stuff. So today we're talking about the non-sports movie career of Kevin Costner. Costner, the movie star. Um, what what that persona kind of is, looking back on it, you know, 30-plus years of his career. Um, kind of debating, could it have been better? Uh, you know, did he need to take more choices? Um, re- really just a deep dive into one man's IMDb. Uh, fun debate. Temple was great to have on. 
Also of note, we had a little Zoom issue on this one. Some cutting out, Zoom would basically cut out anytime we both talked at the same time. It would cut out what Temple was saying. So tried to smooth that over a little bit, but you might notice a little roughness there. But overall, fun conversation. Um, hope everyone jo- enjoys this change of pace. Back to normal episodes next week. Without further ado, let's get to Temple Baker. All right, joining me tonight on an episode that has been scheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled again. We've been circling the wagons on this one for a long time. Guy, I'm a huge fan of. He is one of the stars of one of the best baseball movies ever of all time that I talk about all the time in this show, as you folks know. And he is making his directorial debut in the upcoming film, Hill Country Stories. It is Temple Baker. Temple, welcome to Big Screen Sports. What up, Kyle? And, and one thing I'd like to point out about it is certainly not the best baseball movie of all time, but that cast would wash any other any other cast in any baseball movies like there's no i believe it baseball movie on the planet i mean like i was just watching field of dreams you put fucking john c Riley catching behind us i'm gonna steal a thousand bases it's like it's over <laughs> <laughs> i mean the everybody wants some i always i mean and again and i i want to i want to stress to the listeners who are thinking we're about to do and everybody wants some deep dive we're not that's for another it's for another day but the thing i always say about everybody wants some baseball is the whole movie it defines the relationships in that movie it's why it's a great baseball movie the one baseball scene is awesome a lot of guys who can play a dude who actually like played at a very high level that's very evident like I mean, no notes in ev- with everybody wants up as far as the baseball goes. It's 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 fun. Uh, Streeter played in the minors too, and in that scene where he struck me out before we move on to Costner, I just want to <laughs> acknowledge that uh, I actually fucking put him off the wall. He, he put <laughs> uh, eighty-eight dick high, and I was like, no, <laughs> we're not doing this. And and and, and link later, did you dirty? That's tough. I- so dirty. I was like, "Hey, we could do that take." He was like, "I oh, know it ruins the whole dramatic arc of everything." I was like, "But I look so cool." Yeah, because then he's got to he's got to face Hawkland and lose his lose his absolute shit. Um, okay, but t- before we before we dive into what we're talking about today, which there's been some hot takes on this show, this might be the hottest. Uh, tell me about Hill Country Stories. Oh man, so it's just uh, you know it's this. When the pandemic hit, you know, I came back from L.A. and and I think everybody was sort of hitting that kind of ennui of like, what am I doing with my life? What do I what am I doing on this planet? And uh, I was having so much anxiety that I was like, you know what, I'm going to get my friends together and I'm going to make a movie. And I've been watching a lot of that uh, Coen Brothers Ballad of Buster Scruggs film. And I was like, oh, a lot of little movies is the same as one big movie. So. I would just get together with my friends who are super generous with their time and most importantly, their gear. And so we could get a full film crew together and shoot these little short films, you know, one, one weekend and one in the other one in the other. And I could get all these cool actors in. And I mean, you know, I'm just so proud of how it came out and I'm so happy that, you know, it's just so cool to be like, Oh man, look at my friends. They're all so creative. Everyone pitched in. And I'm stoked, man. So, you know, we're in that sort of film festival waiting to hear back from stage. But uh, it came out really well. And I'm stoked to be able to eventually share it with the world and, and hopefully. Ever. And it's got uh, a football scene and a baseball scene. We went back to my old high we're school. We're covering it on the show, baby. <laughs> we went back. My old football coach let us shoot. He let us just put a camera in the practice. So we didn't even have to get insurance for football players or anything. We just got to get popping pads. It was great. 
Love that. Love that. And as you and I were, it's Hill Country Stories. We're both Hill Country guys. Um, I'm excited for you to bring that world and show everyone that the, the Hill Country is a very, very weird not diverse in the traditional sense, like a big city, but it's just a, a you got a cast of characters in this in this area, Austin, San Antonio, South Texas. Like it's it's a weird, weird group of group of folks out here. There's a lot of oddballs. You know who we got in that? Uh, you know, you follow wrestling at all? I am not. I'm not a big wrestling dude. Man, it's sports entertainment, bro. I know, I know that that's it's one of my black it's one of my black holes, and like the wrestler is an alt is like an all time sports movie. He's like a Hall of Fame sports movie, but uh, but yeah, we just got this dude Mark Henry that used to be in the WWEs was like you know four hundred fifty pounds. We got him in there, and we got him against Will Britton from uh, Everybody Wants Him. And Will is like a jack dude, but then you get him next to uh, to Mark Henry, and it's they're like two different like species of human. It's very funny. Oh yeah, I mean wrestlers are a different, just a completely different breed. Like you don't, you don't realize it because on TV they're all they're all around other wrestlers. They look like normal humans. Me and my brother went to WrestleMania recently. They're also freak athletes. Is the other thing. Like it's all fake, but they're also smacking each other and doing backflips off the top rope. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we're here tonight. So this is something that we've you've kicked this idea off me we we've kind of talked in in coming off of this show one of our more recent episodes we did the the first edition of the sports movie hall of fame inaugurated mm-hmm. you know uh, the first class and with that and the 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 patreon group voted on it i voted on it and the the individual who received the most votes was was kevin costner i've i've championed kevin costner forever on the show but doing the show for over three years talk about him all the time the greatest sports movie athlete he's done it in multiple sports multiple movies he's great and you came me with this take about outside of sports movies kevin costner not great no no no. i go from asset one of my maybe my least favorite major movies no actually definitely my least favorite major movie star of the last 40 years so that's what we're unpacking tonight. We're going to unpack that take. We're going to talk about specific movies. You're going to lay out some theories for me. I I I think I want to start just so we don't have a riot. Let's let's talk about Costner as a, as a sports movie star first and then expanding out into the non-sports movie realm. Yeah. Um so I I mean I think on I you know I don't want please nobody, you know, come for me with a gun or anything. Crash Davis, all-time legend. Um, his character and in the you know I think in the two big ones his two best performances by far Crash Davis and uh and Tin Cup um Ray McAvoy Roy Mac Roy, Roy McAvoy um very similar dudes Costner is amazing in both of those movies sarcastic asshole drinks too much has uh, a torrid love affair with a woman with uh, names that start with the same letter. Uh, you've got Susan Sarandon and uh, Rene Russo um, has great sexual chemistry with both of them, which as we will unpack later is a huge problem with Cosner in a lot of his movies, not a ton of sexual chemistry, Um, which is strange because he's, he's objectively a very, very hot dude. Women love him. Dude looks great in a pair of jeans as we were saying off mic, but, um, but he's like the classic lady boner for women between like 50 and 70. I feel like, um, and he's there's such great roles, um, and they're and I think I mean they're kind of the same dude. Um, obviously, 
uh, McAvoy's a bigger piece of shit than Crash, but uh, but they both let him be sarcastic, which he so rarely is, and he's so cynical, and he's just an asshole, and he's so good at that, which is why it makes me fucking crazy when he plays just the most boring cast of characters in all his non-sports movies. It drives me insane. We'll get into that later. Um, Field of Dreams, this is like one of the few classic Costners that really works for me. Uh, again, as we were saying, um, I think it really depends on, first off, your relationship with baseball. Second off, your relationship with your dad, how this movie goes down. Um, I'm a sucker for baseball, and I love my dad, and we get in fights sometimes. So... Uh, <laughs> So, we were saying off mic, if your relationship with your dad either has to be really good or really bad to be fully into Field of Dreams, if you're just so-so with your dad, you're probably so-so on the movie. And probably don't like baseball either. Exactly, know? exactly. Um, sucker for that movie. But so here's the thing. Here's the next thing that I was getting into. That once you get into this next, so does Draft Day count as a sports movie? Draft day. So he's the sports movie thing he's got for love of the game, right. um, which he's he's good in again. Bible for love of the game has some of the I always say it has some of the best MLB baseball put into film ever. Like you got Vince Scully, you got the old Fox broadcast. that looks great. The, the love story like terrible. R.I.P. Kelly Preston. But it, I mean, it's it's horrible. Um, He's got. He's got draft day, draft day counts, and then I don't. Did you see McFarland USA? I I got eight minutes into that maybe. Do, you gotta you gotta okay stick it out. Grab grab the the field of dreams sappiness and bring it with you. I mean, it's one of those Disney sports movies. We're talking off mic about the rookie. You talk about like it's it's got some of the aspects of Titans. It's it's stuff like that. It's one of those ones. that's like. Let's get emotional. Let's talk about a, a marginalized group of underdogs. And would be is it? Does he show them how to live, or does do they show him? Because I have a really hard time. The latter. With, okay, they show the him. latter. The latter. Yeah, definitely. Because I was like, dude, if it's cause doing his boomer god thing, telling these Mexican kids how to run, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um. So, okay, for the love of the game, um, great, like you said, incredible baseball. He's so believable. I love him talking to the mound. Um, you know what it really set off for me, though? How in the world did the Dodgers take Clayton Kershaw out of that game a couple weeks ago? I mean, seven, seven innings into a perfect game, and you're going to take Clayton Kershaw out? Can you imagine if they did that in, in a, for the love of the game? I know the thing is the thing is if Kershaw had truly wanted to stay in, he's got enough cachet to say I'm staying in the game. Right. The lockout, it, the lockout got credited for a lot of that of like him not being in shape, whatever. But like, and I get like, I get it. Probably sucked sitting out in the playoffs last year. That probably that that that's probably really shitty. He probably wants to win a legit like. They won the the COVID World Series. I'm sure. I'm sure it would mean more to him if they won a traditional 162 in playoffs World Series, and he wants to be a part of that. At the same time, there's there's been almost none of those. He's he's never won. He's never thrown a perfect game, and he got. Yeah. To, I get it. Whatever the COVID thing, that's a World Series. If you search, does Clayton Kershaw have a World Series? He has a World Series. Um. If you search how many earned runs did Clayton Kershaw give up in game five of the 2007 World Series, it's a fuck ton. But, uh, 
How your fans feel about the Astros? Probably not so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I uh, I have a, I have a friend who is on that team, and um, you know, rings a ring, man. Flags <laughs> fly forever. There, there's exactly. Flags fly forever. I was exactly. At, you know, I don't condone whatever happened, but I also don't really care because that was the most electric. That was the most electric thing I've ever been to. Um, but so for love of the game, I mean, he's you know he's. A lot of great stuff. Um, oh God, there was something that I was trying to remember, but the, the Kelly Preston stuff is just so bad. But it's, it's um, but him uh, also. How about the defense behind him in that game? It's incredible. It's, great- he, I mean, every perfect game except for like Dallas Braden's has had an incredible defensive play. Like, like you, the Dwayne Wise catch with Burley's perfect game early on. Uh, that was Burley on the mount. Phil Umber getting the ump to ring up Brendan Ryan the last out, even though he definitely check swung. Uh, uh, Armando Garcia getting Jim Joyce to give the other team a hit. That was a really uh, that was tough. That was tough. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, Costner's not leaving the perfect game. That's no. I mean, what if what if you switch Armando Garcia in for Costner? What if that- Galarra- Galarraga Armando Galarraga? That's the thing. If he would have thrown the perfect game, you'd remember his name. Um. Okay, I did. I did enjoy. I, I enjoy the Kep Costner performance in the baseball, and I think that's actually. I think my takeaway from that is, um, it's the perfect distillation of Costner I like and Costner I can't stand. That's uh, actually a really good point. This the baseball stuff. He's incredible. All his stuff with John C. Riley. He's got all of the baseball lingo down. Um, the stuff with him tunneling in—that's more of a Sam Raimi thing, I guess. But it's great. The way he talks to the batters, he sounds like a baseball guy. And then you get these scenes with him and the girl, the little girl um, that she's very successful actress now, but it just, it makes me want to like claw my eyes out. Um, and, and these the scenes are just like, oh, it's just really painful. The scene of him in the airport at the end, like it just, if that movie had ended with the out and then, you know, oh, well the girl, you know, whatever, it was never about that. And then, you know, well, why, why the airport? Why cause yeah. always ends up like that with Costner. Yeah. The thing with Costner is in the sports movies, like there's something I, I talk about on the show all the time. It, it, you can tell when you cast an athlete and like, I'm not even talking like just someone who's athletic. It's like someone who's been there. Like they just bring a certain presence. If you're not asking someone to win you an Oscar cast, someone who has played the sport, like, um, you look at Moneyball, the guy who plays David Justice, like that guy was in the minors. Like you can tell he just carries himself. He taps his bat on the plate like a big leaguer. Like it, that stuff just comes. But winning time. Oh yeah. Like that it, Kareem and, uh, and Quincy Isaiah, like they both played sports. Um, the, the, that's, that's one of the things that comes through about everybody wants some is most of you guys played baseball. Yeah. We had smallers. Yeah. So that stuff and, and Costner is able to capture that so well in all those movies and in, in, in 10 cup too, he captures it as a goal. Like he seems like a, like a golfer and Don Johnson does the same thing despite not being much of a golfer when, when they started, but Shelton basically was just like, you guys got to get good. And that stuff comes through. Costner's well also they have these long shots with Costner where you can tell he's really hitting the golf ball that was I think yeah. I can't play golf worth shit but they'll have these tight pull-ins and they'll pull back and it's just Costner smoking the ball down the fairway like you can't fake that like you really no. can't. and um and that's in obviously Bull Durham and you know Field of Dreams 
you you have that bull Durham is the really important one also mm. i don't want to i cannot let this uh this this section of the podcast go by without shouting out he doesn't throw the ball great but tim robbins is so fucking funny in that movie he's he's so good well the the lore behind that is i guess he allegedly threw his arm out like early in filming that's what but i it, I mean, yeah, that's that's you know, hey, hey, man, you know, I was I was getting recruited before I blew out, you know. Before I blew in the, um, there's a the the line. Me and uh, my roommate in college used to quote at each other all the time is uh, when uh, when Costner goes out and uh, Lelouch is shaking him off, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And Lelouch goes, "I'm here to announce my presence." <laughs> now it's your fucking presence. <laughs> yeah. Um. I thought draft day was terrible. Was that part of your argument for him being in the sports movie Hall of Fame? No, no. The one thing I'll say, I covered draft day early on this show, and my guest, um, DFW radio guy, Kevin Turner, Cowboys beat guy, um, he said, I think I think the best way, what he said is, it was not a good movie, but I was never not entertained while watching it. And I think I think that's a very good summation of that movie because it's, it's definitely entertaining. That's fair. I think the thing that drove me insane was that as we'll get into this, you know, this Costner thing that shows up, this like thing that this mid generation of older men, you know, like the unwritten rules generation, um, the baby boomer generation, this ideas that they have that pop up in his movies over and over again. He's always the voice of wisdom and he's never wrong about these things. You pass up on a generational quarterback talent because his friends don't show up to his fucking birthday party. Yeah. I mean, they have to do the ashes thing of his dead dad during the NFL draft. Like the most, I mean, there's, we, we could, we could stay on draft day for an hour and a half. Like it's just, it's stunning. And all the way I could get past the whole, like, Oh, he's banging his employee and she's pregnant. Like, but really, the issue with that is that he's not emotionally available. And I was like, no, dude, the issue is that he's, that he's banging his employee. Like, <laughs> that's, an, that's an HR <laughs> thing, man. Bad. Like, you're really – can you imagine if, like uh, – oh, God, I feel like it would happen with the Raiders. But who was the guy – Or the uh, the football team or you know, the commanders. There's the Guardians or whatever. Um, but the if some GM and it came out, they're like – not only did this dude trade for the first pick and then and then draft an undersized um, defensive end who is projected to go 18th with that pick after he traded three first-round picks. Well, it's like what the Redskins did when they traded up for RG3, and eventually that GM, I believe, was part of the whole creepy cheerleader thing. Can you imagine if he traded up and drafted Michael Sam? You know? Like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that'd be a- – but I mean, you don't you don't trade up. It's just there. There's so much wrong with. It. But getting getting to Costner. So you mentioned the 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 roles of Crash Davis and Roy McAvoy. Awesome roles, like dream roles. And he and he kills it. Kevin Costner at a point in his career, like it, he is, he's not a guy who struggled to work. No, he's probably had. He's been able to i mean the guy won I, what did it best director for for dances with wolves he didn't win worst movie of all time it's yeah still, Dan, it's, it's it's boring but at that point he's got he's got all the chips he can cash him in really whenever he wants and he's worked consistently in in movies that were successful so it's he's had the ability to get out of comfort zone and it's really like how many 
off the wall Costner rules. How many like not straight guy Costner rules are there that are not sports movies? I would say it's JFK. Uh, see, the thing is, no, JFK is a classic Costner guy. He's a little more stressed out in that one. But this is uh, when I'll get I'll get to my big thesis here in a second. JFK is a classic Costner character. Um, he is the man. He's the last bastion of American goodness in a crazy world when no one will listen to him. And why won't people just listen to me? It, <laughs> it's so insane that it's awesome movie. Also, but I love I love JFK so much. So good. so good. I love Oliver Stone. But Costner is just like so overwhelmed, and he actually kind of works in that movie. But it is not i don't think intentional i think it's just like because his like thing is so overwhelmed well that's the thing with that movie is there's so much off the wall like people doing crazy things that anything it it all works like if someone is just being a straight like a straight man in that movie it it sticks out like a sore thumb because like everyone's like kevin bacon's like the weird guy and it's sutherland's acting creepy on park yeah also, you have the Oliver Stone thing of like him doing all these crazy match cuts and like desaturated color. You know, it's not full natural born killers, but it's still like pretty, pretty out there. And it's also the whole basis for the movie is is a fucking conspiracy theory, like an insane conspiracy theory. So that it all fits. And not just any conspiracy, and not even one of the normal JFK conspiracy theories. The conspiracy theory that Lyndon Johnson had uh, had JFK killed. Yeah, yeah, we're we're past the mob. It's we're we're going higher up. Way to the top. Uh, <laughs> God, Oliver Stone's a crazy person. But uh, but really, the only ones that I could and I was going through um, uh, those two, and then it's just bland, 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 bland. There's a movie called Mr. Brooks that came out. In oh, 2000. when he's he's a serial killer, isn't isn't Dane Cook in that movie? That's I look. Oh, I haven't seen the movie. I looked at the poster. I want to watch it. And I was just trying to catch up on um, movies I thought would give me more ammo for not liking him. So. But um, but uh, that one looks cool. I'll bet I like him in that one. I, I Cosner as serial killer sounds interesting. But back to your point, I think the idea that as a man that could have done any, he could have done anything after. I mean, so many of these movies. I guess. Uh, Waterworld, which I forgot that Waterworld's kind of awesome. He's not any good in it, or he's boring in it, but the movie's crazy. Waterworld probably kill, killed a little bit of the of the you can do anything because now he's not now it's not he's not like gold. He doesn't have he doesn't have golden touch, but like he does dances with wolves after that can do everything. Robin Hood Prince of Thieves does really well. So then after that and the bodyguard is really popular. It's so like of ninety two. Yeah, so it's like he he this guy is bankable now, which is important. I also I gotta be honest, I haven't seen Thirteen Days, which which seems like a movie I'd actually like. But um but yeah, so it's just it's just weird to me that Message in a Bottle is terrible. So yeah, but he gets bull term and then just goes boring after that, which is and and have you watched Robin Hood recently? No. The the only Robin Hood I subscribe to really is Robin Hood Men in Tights. Which is a, a, entire like bit on how bad uh prince of thieves or uh, yeah prince because prince of thieves is terrible and he uh, he is terrible in it and did gangbusters at the box office though which oh, is the amazing. funny part people loved it yeah. we got ceo mm-hmm. uh untouchables 
which he's which is a great movie. All right, so, so, I, I'm actually I'm actually out on the untou- Untouchables. The Untouchables bores me. I I think the thing with the Untouchables, like I saw it after I saw Boardwalk Empire, oh, okay. and so I'm like, why would I? Why would I? Why would I watch this? And like I, De Niro's Capone and Sean Connery as uh, yeah. I mean Connery and De Niro, great, but like I don't know. That's that's where Costner's like every man kind of kind of lame guy doesn't doesn't work as much. I need a little more edge out of Elliot Ness. Like if I'm if I'm looking at that, I'm looking more like like that genre in that era. Like um, a movie that didn't get as much love, but like Public Enemies. Like I was I was into Public Enemies. It's awesome. It's on Netflix. I watch it every oh. week. Um, Michael Mann is my guy. Oh, Michael Mann is <sighs> that dude. Um, Miami Vice is. I have a tattoo from the Miami Vice movie. Um, but um, so I just my my overarching theory of Costner. You mind if I you mind if I monologue here? For yeah, it's t- yeah, it's time to actually real quick. We're gonna take a quick ad break and then we're gonna get back with the theory. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we're back. Temple, lay out the the overarching theory of Kevin Costner, the reason why we are here today. So the thing that drives me insane about Kevin Costner is that I believe that he is the human form of the myth of the good old days. And I think he's just what every person of not to discriminate against old people, but when they want to talk about the way things were and the way people don't get it now and just all the ways that things don't make sense to them anymore and why things aren't the way they were when they made sense to me. Their favorite actor is almost always Kevin Costner. And I think there are like four specific roles that you can point to um, that like perfectly crystallize this. Uh, I think actually hilariously, the JFK role is a really good one because you look up the real Jim Garrison. This guy was a fucking psychopath. (laughs) He came up with this theory that made absolutely no sense, like no sense whatsoever. And just ran around. And of course he was from New Orleans because everyone from Louisiana is a psycho. But, and he just ran. That's canon. Yeah. That's. And and he just ran around Louisiana. Like just any crazy person that would say like, I know who killed JFK. He'd be like, finally, we found the guy. (laughs) 
And it's all over stones. But so then, but in the movie, he's like such a paragon of like decency and like the way things used to be. Um, and then I go to the Highwaymen. Um, I like a lot of John Lee Hancock movies. Um, the Highwaymen so does not work for me. It's such an attempt at like revisionism with no purpose that just I don't get it. I don't know why they did it. Bonnie and Clyde are interesting. But the thing that drives me insane is that the real Frank Hamer, the guy he's portraying, was an interesting guy. He was like a murderer. And, and, and he, you know, he did a lot of like cool, you know, or he did a lot of like Texas Ranger stuff. But, you know, this guy like lived on the edge and like shot people for close to no reason. And in the movie, he just wants to stay home. He doesn't want to go get Bonnie and Clyde. He wants to stay with his wife. But in real life, the wife that he wanted to stay with, she also killed a person. She went on trial for murder. And so there's all these interesting shades of gray you can play with with the real life Frank Hamer. But instead, it's just Kevin Costner. And he's doing his thing. And, you know, he just wants to do the right thing. And then Bonnie's and Clyde's, they they killed somebody, you know. And, 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 and you know how hard it is to make Woody Harrelson not fun in a buddy cop thing? It's almost impossible. Well, that's so that's the thing with that movie is like you think, okay, so what's what's the best version of Woody Harrelson being a cop or being 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 the straight man? He's got to be next to McConaughey where that guy is off on something else. And, you know, in, in those characters, too. I mean, that. Yeah, but it's but if you're going to pair up those two if you're going to pair up Costner and Woody Harrelson then Woody's got to Woody's got to go like he's got to be he's got to be something else yeah he tried some but just Costner was such a stick in the mud in that movie which is so if you do any research into Frank Hammer like I mean maybe he was a stick in the mud but he was like a murderous stick in the mud which is a much more interesting stick in the mud than the stick in the mud portrayed and then getting to Elliot Ness the real life Elliot Ness was not a choir boy. He was a like a real fame seeking, you know, kind of like scummy, like was angling to get on TV shows. And that thing of like, they kind of nod to it in the movie where he'll like let the photographer in, but only grudgingly, you know, and like, no, we'll take this picture, but just for personal. No, the real Elliot Ness was this like completely like kind of scummy. Um, like the sort of like the not space. Yeah, is it Kevin Spacey in LA Confidential that like always wants to be on TV? Yeah, no, no, no. He's not. No, he's not the. Is he the one who's always on TV? That's Spacey's like the guy who's more on the side. It, it might be him. I think it's whoever it is, but he's like this guy that like was really putting himself out there and was really, you know, searching for a reason for them to exist and blowing all this stuff up. And I think going back to public enemies, I think I thought that was an interesting take on what someone like that would be like. What the, the Christian Bell character, where he's just kind of a tool of J. Edgar Hoover and just this idea, sort of like a enthralled to the idea of the FBI, you know, where he's like, oh, like, you know, with this, like, I, I'm like a servant of this idea versus Costner, who like literally is like, and they kind of make fun of it in the movie. There's a scene where he's like, all right, boys, we're here to do some good. And they break in and they don't find it. In the movie, it seems like it's going to make fun of him for a second. And then you cut into the next scene. And it's this one, everyone, all the cops are like, oh, this Costner guy or this Ness guy. 
And then a woman comes in and is like, my daughter was blown up by these evil bootleggers. And like, you're really, you're really doing the right thing. And it's like, you guys can't even, like, you can't even let the movie not take him seriously for a second. Like, we really have to be in this Costner thing. Well, you think about if if we're going to do like the comparison, we're just bringing up two movies of a similar era with the same character in Public Enemies and and the untouchables and like what Costner is versus what, like think about who's in, who's in public enemies, like Depp who will always go there, who always wants to dive a layer further. Sometimes that works better, better than not. Um, but Bale who will always, will always really go for it and wants to really get inside his characters. And like nine ninety nine times out of a hundred, he absolutely gets there in the essence of creating a character and bringing himself into a character. And like right. Crudup is uh Billy Crudup is um, J. Edgar Hoover in that one. I think like, that's another guy who, when he's given, he's, he's given the keys is going to get there. Like Costner. It's interesting outside of these sports movies, when like in, in Bull Durham, he embodies Crash Davis. He creates his character. It seems like they're in a lot of movies. He is Kevin Costner. Totally. And the thing is, and, and then this brings me up to another issue. He gets washed by other movie stars. Anytime he's with another, not anytime he's like we said, great with Susan Sarandon, great with Rene Russo. But you put him in any of those scenes with Connery, you're not looking at, at, at unless you're actively trying to look at Kevin Costner, you're not even thinking about looking at Kevin Costner. In any of the scenes with, um, you know, with um, with De Niro, you're not you're not even thinking about looking at De Niro. And to be fair, that's like that's tough. They, that that's tough. I mean, those are those are all timers, and I think the take could be reshaped a little bit. And like he's in the hall of a pretty good of good in outside sports movies. And then in sports movies, he's in this, you know, he's a first ballot hall of famer, but like, I think his sports movie stuff in like, it takes him into this other echelon that people think of him as where he's not, he's not charisma King. Like right. he's, he's not, I mean, and not many people are De Niro or Bale or, you know, a lot of these people that, that he's gone toe to toe with, but there, he doesn't like scratch the surface. He doesn't like, he doesn't, he doesn't blow you out of the water in almost anything else. Whereas like even in the Highwaymen, like a Woody Harrelson has multiple performances where it's like, holy fuck, like this guy can get can get somewhere. But here's the thing where I'm like, all right, like if we were just taking if it was just sports movies, but I, I had to watch Kevin Costner in movies my entire life. So you have to hold real movie stars to a different standard. So that's why I said movie stars, not actors. If he was just a guy that was in sports movies, fine. But this is Kevin Costner. This is a guy that people talked to that was maybe the biggest movie star of the early 90s. And which of those, other than Field of Dreams and Bull Durham, which, you know, granted, two movies that I, one great movie and then Field of Dreams, um, which I like. But, like, what of his other movies would you be like, oh, cool, The Bodyguard's on. Oh, cool, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is on. Like, oh, cool. Like, I'm not even, I can't, like, do, do you watch The Wider? Like, and I think another another um, useful comparison is, when's the last time a single person has been like, I'm going to watch Wider? Listen, where we live in Texas, there's a subset of people who like Wyatt Earp and Open Range are, are appointment television if they come on. Because Tombstone, if you want to watch a Wider movie, put on fucking Tombstone. Yeah. Tombstone absolutely just, just, I mean, it's Tombstone is an absolute banger. And, and, you know, I mean, and 
it, White Earp's just not. Like, it's fine, but it's three hours and ten minutes long. And I think it all comes back to, and I get it that he wanted to, like, reinforce. He had this, and it's the thing about, I don't blame people. People always want to be like, oh, Will Smith only ever plays Will Smith. That's fine. I really enjoy watching Will Smith be Will Smith. Kevin Costner wants to get paid $20 million a movie to be Kevin Costner. Awesome. I wish anyone would pay me money to be in anything, you know? Like, I, I've been in several terrible movies. But the thing is, Kevin Costner's movie persona is boring. I actually like Kevin Costner not being Kevin Costner. I think that's when he's his best. So, well, or, and I think the interesting thing is, I think that, I think the shitbag Kevin Costner is closer to the real Kevin Costner. And I think he just wanted, he had this, and in fairness to him, it sold, you know, box office, you know, gold for years and years and years for him to be, you know, the boomer god, you know, like this, this perfect ideal of everyone's gruff uncle that, you know, there's just one problem he had is that he cared too much, you know, like. And this is all culminated, and I believe a show that I'm not watching, but it seems like a ton of people are in Yellowstone. And this, it seems like the the top of the mountain for that version of Kevin Costner. I have in big letters Yellowstoneification, which like is because <laughs> I'd forgotten. I didn't like Kevin Costner growing up, um, but you know, I I kind of forgotten about it, and now all of a sudden he is again one of the biggest you know stars in the world doing this exact same like incredibly boring thing, you know? And it's that thing that like, also he's from Southern California. He's a Cal State Fullerton guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a, an, or yeah, he's an orange County guy. And somehow and I think that, that people somehow mistook him for like his blandness for being like Midwestern somehow. And then this idea, like they're like, Oh, this guy, instead of looking at him being like, Oh, he's boring. They're like, Oh, he's stoic. But no, he's a Cali kid. He's like a SoCal kid. So the idea that he's somehow this personification of like Midwestern manliness, I don't care how many ranches he buys in Montana. Like, I, you know, you know real cowboys. I know real cowboys. Yeah. They're not fucking Kevin Costner. And it's that same idea of like, yeah, like, well, I'll bet real bodyguards are boring. I'll bet they don't have a lot to say and they're not super emotionally available. But like, that doesn't mean I want to watch them on screen. Like, like, you know, going back to that idea of like, I can't remember if we talked about this on mic or off mic, but every Kevin Costner movie that's not a sports movie, Mel Gibson is better. Like, I, I maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe one of these. See, and that that comes into a twofold argument. But like you were saying, like Costner is a movie star and he should be held to like movie star standards. And like what a movie star, a lot of the time, for the most part, a movie star is usually a guy who is like, charismatic like a a cruise or a gibson or someone in like mel gibson problems aside very very good and can can carry i don't know the thing okay the, the i think i think what i'm formulating here is the thing about costner sports movies aside uh-huh. is i'm not sure he has taken a movie like he has thrown a movie on his back and carried it up a mountain when there there's not there's not as much there Right. Well, here's what I'm saying. What's a what's a Costner movie from his movie star period? We're talking eighty, you know, say uh, Untouchables to uh, again. I haven't seen Thirteen Days, but uh, Untouchables was eighty seven. Say eighty seven to two thousand three. What's a Kevin Costner movie that's not a sports movie that you're like? 
Sick. That's on. I'm going to watch that. Man. Um... Tough sled. Also, that early 90s, it's tough sledding. Other than Waterworld, which is a banger, but he's boring and and is literally just... And I think that also makes it tougher because you're watching uh, him try and do a, a Mel Gibson thing. I mean, we're throwing out JFK, right? We're assuming, like JFK is sick. We're we're in on JFK. Sick, but that's an Oliver Stone movie, not a Kevin yeah. Costner. That, yeah. that is once he once he has sort of crystallized this thing of like who his thing is. What movie do you want to watch Kevin Costner be Kevin Costner in for fifteen years? There's not. There's nothing there. I tried. There's- there's really not, and you go, you kind of, I mean, listen, Costner's made a nice life for himself. Bet he lives in multiple really nice houses, but it's it's kind of. He bought all of Montana after Yellowstone. Yeah. See, it's kind of like, you know, you, you go, so you hit, once you hit like 2000, yeah. open range, like I said, that's that's a big movie for, for people where we live. The Rednecks, Redneck. Him and, that, yeah, him and Bob Duvall in that movie are great. Um, the Guardian, which we talked about, which is like Coast Guard, Coast Guard Top Gun. Okay, so yes, so un, so unbelievably Coast Guard Top. Was that off mic that we were talking about that? Yes, that was off mic. Okay, so can we mention the fact that um, that they literally do the Top Gun thing where uh, Ashton Kutcher walks into a, like does the thing of like I can take home any girl at this bar, and the girl's onto it. <laughs> it's like. You can take me out of this bar, but I'm going to leave you and you're with the money with me. Um, I watched that whole movie yesterday. It's not, it's, it's better. It's actually a little better than I remembered, but I was really impressed because Costner like folds, he like freaks out in the water and like he retires. I was like, Oh, what an interesting take from Costner. Nope. He gets right back in the water, saves the day and sacrifices himself at the end and like cuts his rope off. I was like, Oh, cause I thought you were going to actually like let yourself be full. That's the thing that drives me. One of the things that drives me insane about him, he never, he's never vulnerable. Even now that he's an older, an older guy, he just won't let himself lose ever. Well, and that's like that's the awesome thing about Bull Durham and Tin Cup is like he loses. Yeah, and and, and but he's and he's honest. Like he's the character is honest about himself. Yeah, and like. I've I've gone on things about like I go back and forth on how I feel about the tin cup ending because at the at the end it's like supposed to be this great thing but it's like oh wait so he didn't like grow as all, at all as a person like he still blew up and threw away the U.S. Open which is like you know a whole thing but at least the guy not like he walks off the green and he's like I just threw away the U.S. Open and then Rene Russo shows up with bad advice like yeah you know, like oh it was the greatest twelve ever like uh, winning a U.S. Open is a big deal but um. He also has a little laying in the Winnebago. He goes, I don't feel like I, much, I learned much of anything. <laughs> it's like a, That's a wild thing for a movie to, uh, to end, which I almost appreciate the sheer balls of like, because, you know, the first thing they teach you in screenwriting is like, there has to be an arc. His arc in Tin Cup is like his performances in most things. It just goes straight across. But his yeah. performance is all over the place, you know? It's, yeah, and I, it's... And it's so interesting, like, the character of Crash Davis is so, like, that is such a deep human with so many, so many different layers. And there's not really, a lot of his characters are are really not like that. They're kind of, they got a couple base traits. And they say that the same, like, Crash is a, Crash is such a complex person. Such an interesting, such an interesting character. Yeah, such an interesting character. 
And it's like every aspect about the performance is flawed. And it's like, that's, it's not just Shelton's screenwriting. Like Costner imbibes and creates a character that is a perfect character. And it's really interesting that it's not replicated anywhere. It's crazy. I mean, a little bit in Tin Cup, but they, they don't go deep into, I mean, Tin Mm -hmm. Cup is just not the same level of script, great performance though. But the scene where he tries to fight uh, Robbins in the bar, that's, I mean, that is, I don't think it's, I mean, let's have a catch that is, is incredible stuff, but that's pretty, you know, I mean, the scene, there's so many layers that he's playing when, when he fights Robbins and then Robbins punches him out. And then he comes right back to that. Like, at least he didn't move the pitching hands. Like there's so many levels to that shit, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just self-hatred and you're like, Oh, this, this is the guy. And I think that's the thing more than I know I'm being very hard on it. It's mostly a take that I like actually despise Kevin Gosner, but it's so incredibly frustrating to watch Bull Durham, which is, I truly believe one of the finest performances, or at least I one of my favorite performances. I could watch Bull Durham uh, on mute. It's the, it's the best sports movie ever for me. It's, it's number one for me. It's so good in, in his performance specifically like is the rug that ties the room together, you know? And, um, and he's so fucking good in it. And then, you know, something like Tim Cup, he's also so good in, and then he's so fucking bland and everything else. So it's one of those things where like, God, I'm trying to think of like a basketball equivalent. Uh, what was old boy for the heat from Syracuse? Dion waiters, you know, that's what oh, oh, it's so frustrating, you know? Although no, Dion waiters wasn't bland. He was the opposite of bland, but like, uh, Jeff Green, Remember oh, I yeah. Had- oh, yeah. Because Jeff Jeff Green will put up like 31 and, and 13 one game, and then it's like nothing for 10 games. like 42 and 8, and you'd be like, who is this guy? He's, I remember when he was on the Thunder, and it was like, oh, they've got this new core. It's KD, Russ Westbrook, Harden, and Jeff Green. They're going to be unstoppable. This guy hasn't missed on a on a first-round pick of years. And then he, Jeff Green could just never put it together. And then, because I was always such a Jeff Green guy, and it wasn't even – like, I was a big Josh Smith guy, but at least Josh Smith would blow up in entertaining ways. He's kind of like the 10 Cup character, where, like, either you're going to get an all-timer or, like, he's going to throw the game away. Costner's career, though, you get Bull Durham and then, and then 10 Cup, and then, like, really, I mean, for my money, and, again, I haven't seen 13 Days, I haven't seen Mr. Brooks, and I haven't seen Open Range in a long time, but it is fucking mediocre all the way through and if and and i would love if any of your listeners want to set me straight and be like actually like a costume performance that you're like really sleeping on is this but but i'm looking at uh so let's let's try to pick something like post 2000 like open range is a cool genre movie i think like that's it's a cool it's a cool western they don't make movies like that much anymore it's got costner it's got robert duvall like We'll roll with that, but like r- picking something like post post open range. So rumor has it, my wife actually watched on the plane home from Italy last week. Uh, that is rumor has it is the one again. It Costner is a supporting character, but that is where Jennifer Aniston suspects, I believe, suspects that the Graduate was based on her movie or her family, which is a very interesting interesting little rom com plot. But this isn't. We're talking Costner as a lead. Yeah, Costner's elite. So that that rules out like Man of Steel. Um, Wait, oh, wait, wait, hang on. Can I tell you my Man of Steel take real quick? Sorry, I forgot. Best best trailer, worst movie. 
<laughs> well, also the fact that Zack Snyder has been banned from using uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah in uh, in trailers is proof <laughs> the American system of government has failed. But uh, <laughs> but no, um, that was my fourth. The four movies that that showcase why I don't trust Costner's place in America are uh, the three I mentioned: JFK, um, Highwaymen, and but then and um, Untouchables. But his role is Paul Kent. I think perfectly encapsulates my my thing with Costner is that he's supposed to be this like Midwestern, like he teaches you to do the right thing. And ultimately what he teaches Superman is don't help people. And then he walks into a fucking tornado. That's the, the, the snipe, the vision of that movie though. Like, again, I watched the trailer every now and then just because I'm like, what a fucking incredible trailer. And then I like, I, you just, I'm never going to watch the movie again. No, Snyder makes banger trailers. No one can take trailers. Banger trailers. So, so that, but that's not a movie that, that we pick. Um, McFarlane, that's a sports movie. We're not counting that. I really like that. Hidden figures. Uh, also, hidden figures is him as supporting. They were talking. Costers. Yeah, yeah, him is. I mean that. Yeah, because that that's that's Taraji P Henson's movie. And uh, I, if someone wants to tell me black or white is a good movie, I mean that's fine. I, it's not exactly what I thought it was, but just the visual of a movie called Black or White with Cosner with a little with a little black girl on the um, on the on the cover that doesn't look very good. Oh, Molly's game. Wait, here's a good. Did you he's su- he's supporting in Molly's game too. It's kind of like if you have Costner as a supporting character, you're kind of cooking a little bit because like Molly's game is awesome. But did you think about the sporting connection of uh, of his character in Molly's game? He is Jeremy Bloom's father. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, man. How fun was Jeremy Bloom in Colorado? That Colorado, was- man. Remember when Colorado football was a thing? Dude, 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 Cordell, but I mean, obviously different, but I don't think Jeremy Bloom called a fair catch the whole time he was at Colorado. No, he was, he was there to, he was there to take punts to the house and ski slopes. Dude, I'll, I'll bet he skied slopes off the field. Uh, I have no idea if Jeremy Bloom did drugs. That was, that was unfair. But, uh, <laughs> uh, he was, he was my favorite, one of my favorite athletes. Let him go, which... Shout out to homie Will Britton. Everyone watch it when it's on Spike so he can get his residuals. But man, that's just Cosner doing Yellowstone. It's the uh, the Whitney Houston documentary. You know, I believe he gave her eulogy or spoke at her funeral. Really? I, by, also, I don't want any of this to like carry over. Everyone I've worked with, it works. Um, everyone I know that's worked with Costner said he's a great fucking guy. By all accounts, Costner is a great person. Uh, big, big Cal State Fullerton baseball fan. You are? No, oh, no, Costner is. Costner's a big, big Fullerton guy. Oh, uh, so have, have, have you watched The Bodyguard recently? I have. It's been a long time. I think I've watched The Bodyguard once. I mean, the thing with The Bodyguard is like, I I will always love you. Like that's the that's what everyone takes away. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's not very good. Um, it's also funny because I mean, Costner's a very handsome man, obviously, but like. It could not seem less like Whitney Houston's type. I mean, at the time, she's married to Bobby Brown, right? And so, and, but she <laughs> falls in love with him, or she wants to. She falls in lust with him immediately. Like he comes, he comes over to her house, but she, you know, she doesn't have time for a bodyguard. She's, you know, this, that, and the other. And there's like this long shot of him walking away, and Whitney Houston like 
staring at him hungrily and then she seduces him seduces him like 15 minutes later it's like really like really that was another part of your take is the in costner's other roles again outside of sports movies because like him and russo and him and sarandon that is like that is cracking that that is a bunch of hot people having sex and that's like you you feel that vibe but like I talked about this a couple weeks ago. We did recently. We've done Con Air and Gone in sixty seconds, and like Nicolas Cage, I don't think has ever had sexual chemistry with anyone in his life. I don't know if he's I, I straight up. I don't know. Watching <laughs> doing the is it Con Air when he's doing when he's obsessed with the Beatles or is that The Rock? That's Con Air, that is, right? That's that's The Rock, I think. But also in The Rock, he's got a beautiful girlfriend. Mm-hmm. In the in Con Air, he's got a beautiful wife who is waiting for him after a seven year prison sentence. Seven years. Seven years is a long time. Um, Untouchables. He's a married guy, so he doesn't really need to have. So I'm I'm going through the uh, through Field of Dreams. I don't remember even looking at his wife. Oh, his, uh, his wife in Field of Dreams, though. Amy Madigan is the actress. Like she is, she is a stand up. Like she's an all time great sports movie wife. Like she's she is bad as hell. She's just a stand-up woman. Like she'll knock, she'll knock someone out for Kevin Costner. Like, oh yeah, just love oh that. yeah, that's that's true. Um, Dance with Wolves, very little sexual chemistry with. Um, no. And and I do want to again emphasize how much I despise Dance with Wolves. Um, Dances with Wolves also very problematic. Like it, you know, thirty years later. Like, I wanted, to, I wanted to be like, so Last of the Mohicans. Not a great look. To, it's never a great look to call the white guy last, you know, last of the uh, a big problem with last of samurai. L- last samurai, right? Too, but one last of the greatest uh, Chappelle show bits is Paul Mooney talking about <laughs> talking <laughs> about movies. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Paul Mooney, right? I think he just passed. All right, R.I.P. Paul Mooney. Yeah, but Dance of the Wolves is it's just so brutal to watch. It's just him writing in his uh, in his little journal. And like with the voiceover, and isn't that it, movie three hours long? It's three hours and fifteen minutes long, dude. And you know, do you do you know how seriously I took this podcast? I watched Dance of the Wolves. Oh my god, I, yeah. I, I I respect that because. And my girlfriend watched The Bodyguard with me last night. She was mad at me afterwards. <laughs> there, listen, I I get that after over three years, like shit. I covered Battleship last week. Like I had to tell my <laughs> wife, hey, we got to watch Battleship. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> there, there, there have been some movies where it's like I know, like I'm almost dreading it all night, being like, "Hey, so guess what we gotta watch?" <laughs> um, but he also has in the other, I mean, other than all the giant problems with Dance of the Wolves, where you know the white guy says the Indians, and there's some really brutal diary stuff where he's like, "These, these people, they're so close to the land." It's like, all right, good, good shit, dude. I'm glad someone put this in a movie. Um, but. uh no, no sex, no sexual chemistry with uh, with the woman who was kidnapped by the natives. Um, <laughs> just, just that movie's just tough, man. It's just tough. Yeah, Robin Hood. He has no chemistry with Marianne. Also, the accent work. I think it's the only time he's ever tried an accent. Do you remember the bit? And no, J- JFK tries an accent. The Southern accent stuff. Um, do you yeah. remember the bit in Men in Tights though? Where uh, the Carrie it's Elwood. like bad British, right? Oh, men in, oh yeah, men in tights. Some Robin Hoods, I can do a British accent. Um, yeah, he the, the British accent comes and goes. Uh, he has do you remember what? Uh, do you remember what 
Dances with Wolves beat out for Best Picture and Best Director? Is it safe? No, it's Pulp Fiction, right? Or is it? It's Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Oh, <laughs> that's bad. That's a bad. That's a bad look. And oh man, he beat he beat Scorsese for Best Director for Goodfellas. Dude, just the idea of there are two movies with voiceovers, but one of them is the Goodfellas voiceover, and one of them is Kevin Costner looking at his diary and being like, mm, "Yes." There is something we can learn from the Indians. <laughs> um, so anyway, the Academy should be shot in the space. Um, Ray Liotta not nominated for Best Actor for Goodfellas. Wow. Who, what, who are the nominees? I don't, have, I don't uh, know. Jeremy Irons won for Reversal of Fortune. Costner, <laughs> De Niro in Awakenings, Richard Harris for The Field, and a French actor whose name I'm not going to pronounce in Cyrano de Bergerac. Is it Depart? Oh God, that's a really tough. Was was that a bad? Was was ninety a bad year for movies or something? Because that's a really yeah. Well, and especially like the Leota performance is incredible. Right. Like the the day the the day with the helicopters falling in like that alone. Well, he looks. Maybe people were just like Leota's actually coked out, so they weren't <laughs> gonna get. It is a bad year for movies. You're looking at this like it's it's not best. OK, best picture dances with wolves wins awakenings ghost Godfather part three and Goodfellas. That's pretty tough. Hey, ghost, though, Swayze. I mean, <laughs> um, it, listen, we want to talk about a hot dude who had sexual chemistry with everyone oh. like Swayze had multiple movies where it was clear that men were in love with him. Oh. Dude, Keanu wouldn't even shoot him, even though he had obviously murdered like nine people. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy how good looking Swayze was. It's it's what did oh um doing doing Con Air a couple weeks ago. Swayze was considered for that role for the for the for the Cage role. I mean, I love Cage as much as anyone, but it should have been Swayze. Yeah, I mean, it well, it's it's a completely different movie because it cage is so off the wall like it's again it's a movie that's so ridiculous that like it kind of helps that like he's got the horrible alabama accent and it's just ridiculous thinning long hair too uh yeah you know what i i take it back i think i think cage the guy um that's another movie i threw on the other day and as the plane was landing on the strip uh the girl i'm dating was like what the fuck are you watching (laughs) my my wife my wife was like, it was my, it was the first time my wife had seen Con Air when we, when we rewatched it for the pod. And like, at first she was like, she was so out on it. And then like, I'm like, I'm like fist pumping. Like, I'm just, I'm so into it. And she's like, you know what? I am entertained by this. It, it's in the thing is it's not Michael Bay. It's because I remember I looked this up and I assumed it was Michael Bay. who's so underrated, but Simon West or something, but all those, but it's, it's Bruckheimer. Yeah. yeah. And they all have the same look, but I'm just, I'm sorry. So also just watched Waterworld today. No sexual chemistry there. Tin Cup, amazing sexual chemistry. Amazing. There's also just the postman. Like I've seen that. It's not good. Have you ever seen Message in a Bottle? No. Um, it was one of those. It's two hours and fifteen minutes long and has cripplingly bad reviews. Then the in the um the synopsis is a woman discovers a tragic love letter in a bottle on a beach and is determined to track that determined to track down his author that's not a good it's robin wright's though it's robin wright i do love robin love wright. robin wright gotta love robin wright i just i guess he 
the other interesting thing is he hasn't done as many movies as you would have thought he's done. No. And the fact that I really don't like a lot of them, like, makes it very tough for me. Because it's, I mean, he's got three, he's got the three, the, the three sports movies that are awesome. And JFK. And then it's a bunch of movies I either haven't seen or actively dislike. I'm kind of, I want to try to like wrap with like, what is the role? Like if we could swap him out in a movie, like I'm, I'm looking at Mel Gibson's IMDb right now. Like what is, and not saying that you would want to swap him out for what's like a leap that Costner could have taken in the last 20 years. That would have been fun. I don't know if you've seen Maverick. This, this also, I guess would be kind of a sports movie. Maverick kicks ass and like Gibson's amazing in Maverick, but I would have liked to have seen, cause you have to bring in, and it's like, I don't know if Costner had... Actually, that's a lie. He has the level of charisma to do that because we saw it in Bull Durham. He has no interest in exploring. Mm-hmm. I think I think as we can see from from his... I mean, we go... Like, like, you know, like we just talked about, it, he goes, Dancing the Wolves, biggest movie, wins... Oh, it, it actually, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, uh, you know, and then some movies I've never heard of but or never seen... But then Dance with Wolves, the year after Field of Dreams, which he directs, stars in, and wins Best Director, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, big hit. JFK, big hit. The Bodyguard, big hit. He can do whatever the fuck he wants after that. And then he goes, A Perfect World, um, the second best White Earp movie of, of uh, 1994, The War, Waterworld. Then brings it back. Let's go. Tin cup. All right. Exciting. Then he goes, the postman, which is have you did, did you say that you've seen the postman? No, out on the postman. Have not seen it. Post apocalyptic. He is he's doing a bad max mad max again. This is a bottle which I haven't seen. For the love of the game, great in the sports stuff. But doing a lot of sappy Costner bullshit though. And also, did you know that um that Costner got final cut on for the love of the game? Not the director. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi didn't get Final Cut, but Costner got Final Cut? Costner got Final Cut on. How crazy is that? How often does that happen? It's. I mean, as far as I... Do you listen to that? Have you ever listened to that podcast, Blank Check? No, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't listened to it. Pretty good. Um, but they they did... They're doing Raimi right now because of uh, the Doctor Strange. And uh, yeah, Costner got Final Cut. How crazy is that? Holy shit. I'm looking at Gibson's I or IMDb. Could Costner have done signs? Yes. In fact, well, the thing is though, no, because then it's just him leaning into like I'm the beleaguered dad. And the <laughs> performance is interesting. Is because it, in fact, I think Costner might tank signs. Because then it's just him in his happy zone of like, hey, or I mean, no, no, it, he's not literally happy, but it's just like he's aliens. <laughs> I must save my family. And then it becomes because part of the fun of signs, right, is that Mel might go shining and murder his whole fucking family, you know? You know what Costner needed? Huh. Costner needed a supporting role in one of the Apatow or Feral comedies in the 2000s. That would have been good. You know what's another thing that would have been interesting for him to happen? What I think, because if you look at Jeff Bridges' career, he's kind of just like. C-list Harrison Ford for years and years and years. And then he gets Big Lebowski. 
which Costner couldn't literally do Big Lebowski, but there's certainly an aspect of his persona that could have been sort of subverted. Like, or if they made him like, or like, you know, kind of like Tim Cup does where he's just like a white trash loser all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And then if he had continued to play that the way that Jeff Bridges, because cost, because if you look at what Jeff Bridges is doing now, Somehow Jeff Bridges took the Big Lebowski and is now stealing. Well, I guess, you know, Costner has more money than God with um, Yellowstone. But, like, uh, Costner could have been great in Hell or High Water. Oh, in the Brit- that uh, movie. That's that's back-to-back episodes of the show that that movie gets mentioned. That movie fucks. Oh, it's on Netflix right now. Oh, it's I've watched it. so good. I'm banned from suggesting it in my group of friends. It's, I mean, it's, it's impossibly good. That's the thing that the big Lebowski did for bridges was, Hey, this guy's got another lane. He can get somewhere else. So we can, we can, we can try, we can try him for stuff. So we'll send this to him. Whereas like maybe with Costner, it's like he went so long in the same lane. Like it's like he can get somewhere in a sports movie, but anything else, he hasn't really tried anything. So like, here's, here's all the same stuff. Keep running it out. Keep like, cause then you look at, you look at what bridges, you know, what bridges can do. Like, Costner could have done Seabiscuit. Um, yeah. Like, for sure. Costner, Costner is Obadiah in Iron Man. Like, Bridges is awesome in that. Yeah. I mean, and it would have been, because it's just, and then it's also, it's subverting because, and also maybe Costner would have been, I think that's a good one, because Costner would have even subverted, because you're so trustworthy of Kevin Costner, whereas Jeff Bridges has that kind of, which is the thing they identified with Big Lebowski, which is the thing that brought him out of, you know, the, the you know minor league Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. is this idea of, of like he has an untrustworthiness to him. Costner has no untrustworthiness to him in ninety nine percent of his movies. He shows up, you're like, fuck, I know what we're gonna get. Straight down the middle, Costner's gonna be boring as fuck. And then all of a sudden, he does that little monologue that Bridges does. That's interesting to me. That would have been cool. I think we both need to revisit Mr. Brooks because I've seen it once, but like that, it's such a mark of the times because Dane Cook is in it, which is, I mean, you know it's 2007 because that dude was huge. Also, on the poster, it is, wait, fuck, come back, poster. Um, it's <laughs> Kevin Costner, who's the lead actress. This is unreal. Kevin Costner, first build. Demi Moore, second build. Dan Cook, third build. Two-time Oscar Best Actor winner William Hurt is fourth build. Oh, my God. I forgot he... Yeah, I think we might need to revisit that. I think think Mr. Brooks might need to be reevaluated. Man, 2007 was a hell of a time. Also, RIP William Hurt. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. To uh, to truly one of our. I watched broadcast news the other day. Man. We watched broadcast news the other day too. Man, he's awesome in that. Holy shit, he's good. Holly Hunter, dude. They Holly. um, what a little dynamo. Yeah, incredible, literally, Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I guess yeah, but I, yeah, I think I think uh, Mr. Brooks is is like the missing piece where I I, I wish I'd gotten around to it instead of watching. An hour and fifteen minutes of uh, of Robin Hood of Waxley or Robin Hood Prince of Thieves because woof, that was well, a whiff. I mean, to wrap this though, I mean, the thing is, like, even if even if Yellowstone's the last like big production we get a Costner, he does random B movies, whatever, anything other, like, 
he's still a first ballot sports movie hall of famer. Like the guy put in, you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of people who, you know, like he's that you can hang your hat on that shit. Yeah. I clarify one thing. Was he, was there other members of the class of sports? Yeah. The inaugural class, we inducted, uh, Costner, Ron Shelton, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Sandler got a ton of love, ton of votes. Um, and he, he's got that new movie coming out that, so, uh, yeah, so I actually, I actually did the same thing. I had the same reaction because the patrons nominated Sandler and then voted him in. And then I think about it, Waterboy and Happy Gilmore, two of the best sports comedies ever. Yeah. Longest Yard, really fun, good rewatchable movie on TNT all the time. Um, as officer, I almost spilled my beer. Or <laughs> problem is, sir, he says officer. Yeah, officer, I almost spilled my beer. Yeah, uh, he's. It's Hernandez in the new one, right? The the shitty Nugget Center for so long. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I can see, I can see the Sandler at all, and then uh, Gavin O'Connor who directed Warrior and Miracle and The Way Back. But like, you saw Warrior, right? Of course, of course. But yeah. he also he also directed the new Affleck movie where he's the basketball. Yeah, the way back. So that that's three. He's he's the uh, the big chill king. He's like the if he can get like the the hair on the back of your neck to stand up in all his movies. So him, a lot of dudes that specialize in sports movies, I guess. I mean, Ken Costner's got to be your guy. I mean, just based off of yeah. So yeah. So Costner, Shelton. Sylvester Stallone, Sandler, Gavin O'Connor, and then two movies, uh, Bull Durham and Major League. Yeah. I mean, those are fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, how funny is it also that, um, oh, fucking Scarface from Platoon, the catcher, the catcher. Oh, from uh, Behringer, Tom Behringer. Behringer, of course. Um, him and Bull Durham and Crash Davis are the same character. Yeah. Did he do any research? Was that at the time considered a parody, or were they just like, was that just a type? I guess like I think old... it's I think it's just a type. You know, the interesting thing about Bull Durham is there was an HBO, a made for HBO movie that came out the year before Bull Durham called Long Gone, which is kind of a similar thing. It's based on a, on a novel, but it's like um, who the guy from uh, the guy from the original uh, CSI, William Peterson. He yeah. plays kind of the same, a Crash Davis type. Dermot Mulroney plays like a Tim Robbins kind of type, like Young Buck and like in the minors. And then Virginia Madsen is in it, and she's throwing like 98 on the corners. Right. And yeah, it's not as good as Bull Durham, but it's kind of same vibes, and it comes out the year before Bull Durham. What's it called? Long Gone. You can only watch it. You can buy it off eBay, or you can watch it on like a bad copy on YouTube. Not on HBO Max. No, no, no one. That's the thing. No one has the rights. No one, no one knows who has the rights. It's, it's wow. like, it's like gone to history. So weird how that happens. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So I'm just, as we wrap up, I'm going back through Cosner's, um, I am to be one more time just to prove my point. Uh, for his performance, Silverado, thumbs down, untouchables, thumbs down, no way out. Never seen Bull Durham, thumbs all the way up. Field of Dreams, thumbs all the way up. Uh, I watched the I've never seen Chasing Dreams, Gunrunner, big time thumbs down. Didn't see Revenge, Days of the Wolves, uh, Robin Hood, JFK performance, awesome movie though. Bodyguard, Darren, never seen Perfect World, Wired Herb, Waterworld, nope. Tin Cup, thumbs all the way up. The Postman, mm-hmm. thumbs all the way down. For the love of the game, thumbs up. 
And then, you know, we're into, you know, later period Costner. Although Mr. Brooks looks awesome. I think, you know what? I think I will have at least five Kevin Costner movies I like once I watch Mr. Brooks because yeah, looks awesome. Also, I wanted to watch Swing Boat because I was like, wow. Do you remember that when this came I out? Rem- I remember, I do remember Swing Boat coming out because that did, isn't it like 04? Isn't it like? Or 08. It, it was an election. Oh. You know what? People will love an election year. A movie about Kevin Costner deciding <laughs> Kevin Costner decided deciding the election again because that's like that's the electorate that people actually think exists, like the person right in the middle, like there's that guy. And that's again that gets back to my whole thing of like what drives me insane about Costner. Although I was so ready to watch that and be like, this is proof positive why I despise Costner. Um, but actually, I he's playing kind of a loser, which like. <laughs> I like Costner as a loser, so like maybe I'll fire it up and maybe I'll like it. I'm never gonna watch that movie, but I like the idea that I might watch it. Well, maybe uh, maybe Costner's gonna surprise us before before it's all over. He's still got still got some time in front of him. He's gonna be cashing those Yellowstone checks for quite a bit because that shows a hundred thousand seasons of Yellowstone, yeah. and it, when the heat death of the Earth happens, they will still be making new seasons of uh, hologram Costner in Yellowstone. He's going to buy one of the Dakotas before it's over. But Temple <laughs> Baker, this was a pleasure, man. I am so glad we finally did this. We're, you're yeah. going to come on again real soon. We're going to talk everybody wants some, and then at some point we're going to talk a movie as well. Tell the folks where they can follow you, where they can check out, what's going to be going on with Hill Country Stories. I'll, uh, uh, on you know, on Instagram, uh, my body is uh, underscore temple because I'm hilarious and clever. But more importantly, follow Hill Country Stories on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. It's I, I wouldn't recommend it. It's mostly garbage, but uh, you can if you'd like. Keep an eye for Hill Country Stories. I've got a movie coming out called Switch Up. Haven't seen it yet. Hopefully, it's good. Um, and yeah, I've got uh, I've got some exciting projects that hopefully I'll be able to talk about soon. Um, the fun thing about that is no one will know if I'm lying. People always be it. <laughs> but I do have I do have one one project. I am wildly excited about um that hopefully will get announced soon um again no one knows if i'm lying but yeah dude hey thanks for having me on that was a lot of fun uh hopefully i didn't ramble too much um oh wait last take do you think jk simmons and um um for love of the game is based on phil garner remember phil garner yeah yeah yeah, it makes sense. I was about to when you said, "Do you think J.K. Simmons?" My answer is yes. Like J.K. Simmons, forever. He had the Phil Garner mustache, and I used to love uh, scraps when he was managing the stress. Um, hey, man, sorry. I I feel like I rambled a bunch for that. Thanks for having me on. I uh, it was. I would say it was a pleasure to watch all these Kevin Costner movies, but uh, you know, the pleasures in the pain sometimes. Man, I appreciate all the work you did. This was this was a true pleasure for me. Folks, if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave a review. Support on Patreon. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That is brought to you by Baseball America and comes at you every other Tuesday. As for this show, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for listening. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.